Book Five, Chapter One of the Wars of the Jews. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by HearHis.com. The Wars of the Jews by Josephus, translated by William Weston. Book Five, containing the interval of near six months, from the coming of Titus to besiege Jerusalem to the great extremity to which the Jews were reduced. Chapter 1. Concerning the seditions at Jerusalem, and what terrible miseries afflicted the city by their means. When therefore Titus had marched over that desert, which lies between Egypt and Syria, in the manner forementioned, he came to Caesarea, having resolved to set his forces in order at that place, before he began the war. Nay, indeed, while he was assisting his father at Alexandria in settling that government which had been newly conferred upon them by God, it so happened that the sedition at Jerusalem was revived, and parted into three factions, and that one faction fought against the other, which partition in such evil cases may be said to be a good thing, and the effect of divine justice. Now, as to the attack, the zealots made upon the people, and which I esteem the beginning of the city's destruction, it hath been already explained after an accurate manner, as also whence it arose, and to how great a mischief it was increased. But for the present sedition, one should not mistake if he called it a sedition begotten by another sedition, and to be like a wild beast grown mad, which, for want of food from abroad, fell now upon eating its own flesh. For Eleazar, the son of Simon, who made the first separation of the zealots from the people, and made them retire into the temple, appeared very angry at John's insolent attempts, which he made every day upon the people. For this man never left off murdering, but the truth was that he could not bear to submit to a tyrant who set up after him. So, he being desirous of gaining the entire power and dominion to himself, revolted from John, and took to his assistance Judas the son of Selclises, and Simon the son of Ezron, who were among the men of greatest power. There was also with him Hezekiah the son of Chobar, a person of eminence. Each of these were followed by a great many of the zealots. These seized upon the inner court of the temple, and laid their arms upon the holy gates, and over the holy fronts of that court. Footnote. This appears to be the first time that the zealots ventured to pollute this most sacred court of the temple, which was the court of the priests, wherein the temple itself and the altar stood so that the conjecture of those that would interpret that Zacharias, who was slain, quote, between the temple and the altar several months before, as if he were slain there by these zealots, is groundless, as I had noted on that place already. End footnote. And because they had plenty of provisions, they were of good courage, for there was a great abundance of what was consecrated to sacred uses, and they scrupled not the making use of them. Yet were they afraid on account of their small number, 
and when they had laid up their arms there, they did not stir from the place they were in. Now as to John, what advantage he had above Eleazar in the multitude of his followers, the like disadvantage he had in the situation he was in, since he had his enemies over his head. And, as he could not make any assault upon them without some terror, so was his anger too great to let them be at rest. Nay, although he suffered more mischief from Eleazar and his party than he could inflict upon them, yet would he not leave off assaulting them, insomuch that there were continual sallies made one against the other, as well as darts thrown at one another and the temple was defiled everywhere with murders. But now the tyrant Simon, the son of Gorias, whom the people had invited in, out of the hopes they had of his assistance in the great distresses they were in, having in his power the upper city, and a great part of the lower, did now make more vehement assaults upon John and his party, because they were fought against from above also, yet was he beneath their situation when he attacked them, as they were beneath the attacks of the others above them, whereby it came to pass that John did both receive and inflict great damage, and that easily as he was fought against on both sides, and the same advantage that Eleazar and his party had over him since he was beneath them, the same advantage that he, by his higher situation, over Simon, on which account he easily repelled the attacks that were made from beneath by the weapons thrown from their hands only, but he was obliged to repel those that threw their darts from the temple above him by his engines of war, for he had such engines as threw darts and javelins and stones and that in no small number, by which he did not only defend himself from such as fought against him, but slew, moreover, many of the priests, as they were about their sacred ministrations. For notwithstanding these men were mad with all sorts of impiety, yet did they still admit those that desired to offer their sacrifices, although they took care to search the people of their own country beforehand, and both suspected and watched them, while they were not so much afraid of strangers, who, although they had gotten leave of them, how cruel soever they were to come into that court, were yet often destroyed by this sedition. For those darts that were thrown by the engines came with that force, that they went over all the buildings, and reached as far as the altar, and the temple itself, and fell upon the priests, and those that were about the sacred offices. Footnote, the Levites. In footnote. Insomuch that many persons who came thither, with great zeal from the ends of the earth, to offer sacrifices at this celebrated place, which was esteemed holy by all mankind, fell down before their own sacrifices themselves, and sprinkled that altar, which was venerable among all men, both Greeks and barbarians, with their own blood, till the dead bodies of strangers were mingled together with those of their own country, and those of profane persons, 
with those of the priest, and the blood of all sorts of dead carcasses stood in lakes in the holy courts themselves. And now, O oh, must wretched city, what misery so great as this dost thou suffer from the Romans when they came to purify thee from thine intestine hatred? For thou couldst be no longer a place fit for God, nor couldst thou long continue in being, after thou hadst been a sepulchre for the bodies of thine own people, and hadst made the holy house itself a burying-place in this civil war of thine. Yet mayst thou again grow better, if perchance thou wilt hereafter appease the anger of that God, who is the author of thy destruction." But I must restrain myself from these passions by the rules of history, since this is not a proper time for domestical lamentations, but for historical narrations. I therefore return to the operations that follow in this sedition. Footnote. This is an excellent reflection of Josephus, including his hopes of the restoration of the Jews upon their repentance, which is the grand Quote, hope of Israel, as Manasseh ben Israel, the famous Jewish rabbi, styles it in his small but remarkable treatise of that subject, of which the Jewish prophets are everywhere full. See the principle of those prophecies collected together at the end of the essay on the Revelation. End footnote. And now there were three treacherous factions in the city. The one parted from the other. Eleazar and his party, that kept the sacred firstfruits, came against John in their cups. Those that were with John plundered the populace, and went out with zeal against Simon. This Simon had his supply of provisions from the city, in opposition to the seditious. When, therefore, John was assaulted on both sides, he made his men turn about, throwing his darts upon those citizens that came up against him, from the cloisters he had in his possession, while he opposed those that attacked him from the temple by his engines of war. And, if at any time he was freed from those that were above him, which happened frequently, from their being drunk and tired, he sallied out with a great number upon Simon and his party, and this he did always in such parts of the city as he could come at, till he set on fire those houses that were full of corn and of all other provisions. Footnote. This destruction of such a vast quantity of corn and other provisions, as was sufficient for many years, was the direct occasion of that terrible famine, which consumed incredible number of Jews in Jerusalem during its siege, nor probably could the Romans have taken this city, after all, had not these seditious Jews been so infatuated and thus madly to destroy what Josephus here justly styles, quote, the nerves of their power, in footnote. The same thing was done by Simon, when, upon the other's retreat, he attacked the city also, as if they had on purpose done it to serve the Romans, by destroying what the city had laid up against the siege, and by thus cutting off the nerves of their own power. Accordingly, it so came to pass, that all the places that were about the temple were burnt down, 
and were become an intermediate desert space, ready for fighting on both sides of it, and that almost all that corn was burnt, which would have been sufficient for a siege of many years, so they were taken by the means of the famine, which it was impossible that they should have been, unless they had thus prepared the way for it by this procedure. And now, as the city was engaged in war on all sides, from those treacherous crowds of wicked men, the people of the city, between them, were like a great body torn in pieces. The aged men and their women were in such distress by their internal calamities that they wished for the Romans and earnestly hoped for the external war in order to their delivery from the domestical miseries. The citizens themselves were under a terrible consternation and fear, nor had they any opportunity of taking counsel and of changing their conduct, nor were there any hopes of coming to an agreement with their enemies, nor could such as had a mind flee away, for guards were set in all places, and the heads of the robbers, although they were seditious one against another in many respects, yet did they agree in killing those that were for peace with the Romans, or were suspected of an inclination to desert them as their common enemies. They agreed in nothing but this, to kill those that were innocent. The noise also of those that were fighting was incessant, both by day and by night. But the lamentations of those that mourned exceeded the other, nor was there ever any occasion for them to leave off their lamentations, because their calamities came perpetually one upon the other, although the deep consternation they were in prevented their outward wailing. But being constrained by their fear to conceal their inward passions, they were inwardly tormented without daring to open their lips in groans. Nor was any regard paid to those that were still alive by their relations. Nor was there any care taken to bury for those that were dead. The occasion of both, which was this, that every one despaired of himself. For those that were not among the seditious had no great desires of anything, as expecting for certain that they should very soon be destroyed. But for the seditious themselves, they fought against each other, while they trod upon the dead bodies as they lay heaped one upon another, and taking up a mad rage from those dead bodies that were under their feet, became the fiercer thereupon. They, moreover, were still inventing somewhat or other that was pernicious against themselves. And, when they had resolved upon anything, they executed it without mercy, and omitted no method of torment or of barbarity. Nay, John abused the sacred materials, and employed them in the construction of his engines of war. For the people and the priest had formerly determined to support the temple, and raise the holy house twenty cubits higher. Footnote. This timber, we see, was designed for the rebuilding of those twenty additional cubits of the holy house above the hundred which had fallen down some years before. End footnote. For King Agrippa had at a very great expense and with very great pains brought thither such materials as were proper for that purpose, being pieces of timber 
very well worth seeing, both for their straightness and their largeness. But the war coming on and interrupting the work, John had them cut and prepared for the building him towers. He, finding them long enough to oppose from them those his adversaries that thought him from the temple that was above him. He also had them brought and erected behind the inner court over against the west end of the cloisters, where alone he could erect them, whereas the other sides of that court had so many steps as would not let them come nigh enough the cloisters. Thus did John hope to be too hard for his enemies by these engines constructed by his impiety. But God himself demonstrated that his pains would prove of no use to him by bringing the Romans upon him before he had reared any of his towers for Titus when he had gotten together part of his forces about him and had ordered the rest to meet him at Jerusalem, marched out of Caesarea. He had with him those three legions that had accompanied his father when he had laid Judea waste together with that twelfth legion which had been formerly beaten by Cestius, which legion, as it was otherwise remarkable for its valor, so did it march on now with greater alacrity to avenge themselves on the Jews, as remembering what they had formerly suffered from them. Of these legions he ordered the fifth to meet him by going through Emmaus, and the tenth to go up by Jericho. He also moved himself, together with the rest besides them, marched those auxiliaries that came from the kings, being now more in number than before, together with a considerable number that had come to his assistance from Syria. Those also that had been selected out of these four legions, and sent with them Macanius to Italy, had their places filled up out of these soldiers that came out of Egypt with Titus, who were two thousand men chosen out of the armies of Alexandria. There followed him also three thousand drawn from those that guarded the river Euphrates, and also there came Tiberius Alexander, who was a friend of his, most valuable, both for his good will to him and for his prudence. He had formerly been governor of Alexandria, but was now thought worthy to be general of the army under Titus. The reason of this was that he had been the first who encouraged Vespian very lately to accept this his new dominion, and joined himself to him with great fidelity. When things were uncertain, and fortune had not yet declared for him, he also followed Titus as a counselor, very useful to him in this war, both by his age and skill in such affairs. End of Book 5 Chapter 1 Recording by HearHis.com